American Gunslingers presenting Ubaldi Reports. And this is John at Ubaldi Reports, the one website and podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on issues facing America, whether from overseas or domestically. And tonight, obviously, we're going to be talking about President Biden addresses the nation as he gave his second State of the Union address. And we're just going to talk about all the ramifications coming from that. But before we get started, let me introduce my co-host. I've got... Joe Bitch, a former combat, former retired Marine boy, who, boy. who served in Iraq and unfortunately was wounded in Iraq, but he's fine. Then we also have Ray Krause, a re, um, also a medically retired Marine who served his time. So how's it going, Ray and Joe? Great, John. Good. Well, good. So what did you guys, th- I mean, before we get into this, what did you guys think of the um, President's State of the Union address? What was your impression? Um. It, Go ahead, Brent. I'm going to start first because I, I didn't watch the entire thing. Okay, yeah, because um, it was up. Yeah. But I, I, I got to tell you, it was, it almost felt disastrous. Uh, okay. You know, it was just kind of like watching the president of the United States kind of go back on what he was saying. Oh yeah. Um, and then. What do you mean, like to unite the country? To unite the country, and and then also some of his goals and ambitions. Um, you know. The, like, for example, his oil and how we're going to need oil for another decade. You know, that was supposed to be touted as, like, we shouldn't be going that way, but we are. And and okay. the Republicans laughed at that. And, you know, okay. at, at that point, I see that as kind of like, you know, you're pushing too hard for something that's just not there. All right. Now, uh, Joe, what was, what was your impression on it? Well, I mean, a lot of the things I, I do I appreciate the Republicans kind of calling him out on some of the things that weren't so true. Correct. And um, I, I mean, I thought, honestly, I thought the delivery of it, I mean, there was a few gaps here and there, hmm. um, you know, and there was a lot of things that I don't think were necessary in his speech. And I really think that he, if he was so convinced about unity or making uh, unity, or unity crossed, that he yeah. should have been focusing more on it. <clears throat> but it just seemed to be like a Republicans are doing this and this is what I'm trying to do kind of thing. Well, like the that. one thing that I saw when he first started the speech, I thought it was a good mo- moment for Joe Biden when he was conciliatory toward first. He recognized Kevin McCarthy as a new speaker of the House. He recognized Mitch McConnell for his longtime service as you know, he used to be the Senate majority leader. Now he's the Senate minority leader. And then he talked about uh, Hakeem Jeffries, who's the first African-American to be the speaker of the I mean, to be the the leader of the Democrat or minority leader. He mentioned Nancy Pelosi, the former speaker of the House. So I thought he, you know, he did that. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. I wonder if he's taking a different approach. But then he went into his partisanship. Now, the one segment that didn't get hit the media, and it was I was thinking about this as I was watching and listening to his speech. At the beginning of his speech, he talked about he wants to bring manufacturing jobs back from um, overseas. Mm-hmm. And we got to build back America. We got to create these jobs here. But as I was thinking about this, I was like, well, wait a minute. You've been in the Senate since 1973. Then you spent eight years as vice president to Barack Obama. You presided over everything that shipped those jobs over to China. Because you were when Nixon opened up China in 1972, you became you joined the you were elected to the Senate in 72 and 
started serving in 1973. So you were part of every aspect of opening up China, giving them a most favored nation status under Clinton. You were there for the, with Obama. So now you want to th- we want to believe you that you're trying to bring these jobs over when you spent your entire career shipping these jobs over back over to China and other parts of the world. So well, I, I did th- find it was funny. I agree with Ray about um, the whole, oh, we're going to need gas for, you know, we're going to need some oil for 10 more years, you know, and there are, you know, there are things that I think he could have saved a little bit more face had he gone back on them a while ago or during the beginning of his administration, not even to put us in that spot. Well, the thing, but but it's interesting. I hear this argument, and he said it last night that the oil companies are making record profits, and yes, they are. The oil companies are making record profits, but if you, in the same breath, you said we need you to to produce oil for the next ten years because in 2035 we want to be all electric. Well, that doesn't make sense from a business standpoint. What oil executive is going to go to their company? especially their shareholders, and say, we need to invest a billion dollars to refurbish or build new refineries, which take about three to five years. So now you're up 2026, 2027, and then a few years later, we're going to have nothing. Nobody's going to do it. And then you lost five refineries because the cost to build them or refurbish them is is too pro- cost prohibitive, so that makes no sense. So you're 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 demonizing the group that we want them to help you. Mm-hmm. It's just like he demonized the wealthy when you said the wealthy aren't paying their fair share. When it's proven that the top ten percent pay almost eighty percent of all the taxes in the country, and the bottom half pay only two percent. What did Biden mean when he said uh, sunset on? Social Security and Medicare. What it would, I think what he meant, it was it, it would phase out over a certain period of time. So that's like when you take um, what he was referring to, Republicans want to sunset a lot of... Um, Do we? A lot of law with Social Security? No. No, I mean, I just like uh, in in general because they're, he's like, I got the paper or I, you know, hey, call call up my secretary. She'll give you the She'll give you the paperwork or something like that. I think what he was referring to, Rick Scott came up with a proposal that was rejected by all Republicans, and he wanted to reform Social Security. Now, one thing that the president didn't mention, and nobody's fact-checked him on it, is the Congressional Budget Office just about two, three weeks ago said that Social Security is only fiscally sound until 2035, then it's broke. There's more money going to be going out than coming in. And what people need to understand with Social Security, Social Security is a pay-as-you-go system, mm-hmm. meaning right now all three of us work. So we're paying for anybody that's retired. When Social Security, I think, was established in 1935 under Franklin Roosevelt, it was supposed they called it old-aged insurance. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to give a little supplement to people who are re- retired so they can live retirement in dignity, not going to be poor. Yeah. Then over the years, there was it was funded by workers would pay for those currently retired. You get a payroll tax. That goes to pay for Social Security. But over time, there's been more um, the baby boomers 
our big block. Now that they're retiring in mass, you're having there's more workers. I mean, excuse me, there's less workers funding it. So basically, it used to be 60 workers for every one retiree. Then it dropped 30 to one. Now it's about five workers for every retiree. Mm-hmm. So when we get to thir- and then 2035, and then we give Social Security for this, we give we give benefits for that. Everybody's entitled to some piece of Social Security. Depends how much you work. Even if you didn't work at all, you do you definitely get Social Security. What would you got a question from somebody? Yes. Yeah, so Bacon Knight has a few questions here. So we're gonna start at the top. How much taxes does Joe pay on his foundation? Joe Biden? Yes. That I don't know. I, I would have to do, do some research to find out how much he pays on his foundation. All right. But if it's, a, if it's a foundation, my guess is probably none because if it's a 501c3 or a 501c4, you don't pay taxes on that. You just and you and if anybody donates to that, they can be um, have tax deductible. If a 501c3, you just you can inform individuals. You just can't um, actively campaign in a way, you know, political campaigns. And this is kind of dubious because some people really skirt that line. Okay. Question number two: Didn't Joe Biden vote as a senator to tax Social Security? Correct, he did. Okay. Was there a third question on that? No. Okay. No, just statements. The thing no. is, people need to understand, and I've been saying this for a number of years, even before I started the podcast, mm-hmm. we have to reform Social Security. And I would tell people this. My parents, that's all they had was Social Security. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is I'm not saying we eliminate Social Security. That would be a, a fallacy on my part. But we have to reform it. We can't keep going this way. Well, in 2035, and then all of a sudden we find out there's no money. So then we either got to cut benefits substantially or raise taxes. Well, what about those people that put? What about those people that put money in and now they can't get it? And those are the things we need to look at. And I'm not saying I have all the answers, but we need to look at it now. Back in 2011, uh, President Obama selected a committee called um, Erskine Bowles. It was um, uh, Erskine, I can't think of his first name. It was um, Alan Simpson, was a former Republican um, senator from Wyoming, and Erskine Bowles was Bill Clinton's chief of staff at one point. So they came up with a commission how to cut the national debt at the same time restore um, um, or fix Social Security. They came up with some different things. One of the things they said was, let's raise the Social Security age from 65 to 67. It had to pass majority to get it out of the committee. It never did. And the government, both parties never objected to it. And both parties are responsible. Republicans are polarized when it comes to doing anything with Social Security because they don't want to be deemed as sending grandma or grandpa off a cliff. And Democrats demonize anybody that says anything remotely saying reform Social Security, which is disingenuous because – we're going to get to a point, if we don't fix it, we're going to pay a price down the road. And it's not that far off. Uh, so, Paulie MCD said, please explain reform it. Reform? Yeah, uh, Social Security, as you were saying. What, what would you do to reform it? There's a couple things we need to look at. I'm not saying this is the answer. I think raising the Social Security age is one option. I think means testing Social Security 
And what I mean by that, if you make a certain amount that maybe, yeah, you're putting into the program, but maybe you don't get it because you had other options because you, you, you had other investments that you really don't need Social Security. We pay taxes for a lot of um, social programs that I don't benefit from, but it does help the greater public. So there's a lot of things to look at. And I'm not saying those are the only options, but we need to have a dialogue to look at how do we strengthen Social Security from that now and into the future, not just for us, but our children's, our children's children and their children. Okay, how does Social Security, how, okay, <clears throat> how does Social Security make money? Like, how is it, okay, they're taking money from me and they're putting it in, what, this bank account? Or are they putting well, it in, like, really are they putting it? it's not a bank account. It's already where, been taken out. Okay, it's basically a payroll tax gets taken out of your check. Yeah. It goes into so to pay for Social Security, but because... But, how does it does it accrue money or is it just this is my money I'm putting aside for every paycheck? Well, it, when it began, yeah. that's how it was done, and there was more. Um, they didn't take out a lot at that time. So over the years, they took out more and more. But what we've what we've got is, you've got when the baby boomers started to retire. Okay. The the the, the amount of people in the workforce started to drop, because we're not having as many kids as we once did. Oh, I, I want to get the bottom of Social Security. So we're just, is it just going into like... There's supposed to be like... Everyone is, it, believes, is, it, is it accruing money? Okay, no, is, it's is not. It, like a it, bank just, it just goes out and it pays the benefits for those who oh, are currently okay. retired. So I'm giving money to the government. Okay, hold on. I'm giving money to the government and they're not even putting it in like an investment account no, no, or they're not... They, why not? Because why? they can't... They, they, the money says who? That, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. You gotta, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not getting frustrated with you. No, 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 but, but you got to understand this. The payroll tax pays for those who are on Social Security now. Yeah. Because we're working to pay for those oh, who are on Social okay. Security now. So my kid is actually going to be paying my Social Security. Okay, but the problem right? is, is that when kind we of had, yeah, when we had 60 workers for every retiree, it was fine. Then the work, the, the number of workers paying into the system starts to drop, but the amount of people going into Social Security starts to go up. And we given out to everybody, even if you, if let's say you're a homemaker, you get qualified for Social Security. I had my parents had a friend who was born in Denmark. He came to America, had his, um, was able to work here, a green card type thing, mm -hmm. never became an American citizen. He's eligible for Social Security. So- I just here here's just a concept. It's just an idea. This is like not true, or this is not right, or this is just my idea. Okay, let's just say I put one point. Okay, let's just say me personally. If I put like one point two million into an investment account, okay, and I let that kind of like sit for a little bit, all of a sudden I can get a dividend, meaning money getting kicked back to me of say sixty thousand dollars. Now there has to be over billions of dollars. A, a week or that, even like even like monthly that they could put this in an investment account that's making less than 10 percent and then kick those dividends in and just now and just dole them out why no, the hell okay, are they okay, not doing no, that no because we have money to send to okay, ukraine no, okay hold on for, I'm, forget, I'm, forget, 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 I'm getting yeah. pissed i'm getting so pissed Let's stop on the ukraine thing for okay now. <laughs> okay but th that is one of the options that people need to look at. Now, mm. it's going to have to be grandfathered in because you can't take someone who's close to Social Security and, okay, this is what you get. So maybe what they do instead of 
it going to the government, you you lock them into like ten different plans. Mm-hmm. Let's say this plan gets five percent, this plan gets five point five. So you can move it around. So any money that comes from the payroll tax goes into whatever plan you want. You can't touch it until you turn 65. I can't wait till you turn 65. I'm going to be paying your Social Security. Take this from me. Okay, but going back to the original point of this podcast, this has been disingenuous of Joe Biden because he he's making this as some Republicans want to kill it. When he is in his party, doesn't want to do any reform. Now, considering Joe Biden already has a pension from being a senator, a pension from being a vice president, and he'll get a pension when he's a president. So he's doing really well. And he's been working for the government. So that was one of the problems. The other thing he mentioned is the debt. He said, my administration's reduced the debt by $1 trillion. That's not exactly accurate is because the debt went down because we're not when the covid money stopped he's taking he's factoring that money which not really an accurate assumption of the debt going down considering his his administration spent almost 6 trillion dollars in 2 years. Mm-hmm. So you have that and then a couple other things he mentioned him barely mentioned immigration barely mentioned China. The one issue that I know I always bring this up he mentioned education. Yeah. And he talked about how Jill Biden, his wife, was an educator, and we got to educate children. But what he failed to mention is his party and he himself advocated locking kids down at home. Now, the um, national um, assessment that basically the nation's report card that comes out of the Department of Education showcased that America, and back in October, regressed. 30 years reading and math scores plummeted not to factor in in that same report over 70 percent of black and hispanic children are basically illiterate by fourth grade and even worse when they get to eighth grade but his children got to go to private school bill clinton's kids went to private school barack obama's kids went to private school and many um, Senator Fetterman, who's now the senator from Pennsylvania's kids, went to private school. So he's all about public schools for your kids. Why didn't his kids go to a private, uh, public school? So that was kind of double standard. Double standard there. And then it's just, it just seems like he, he, he does ducktail back with the, the slogan is, um, we need to, let's see, we need to finish the job. We need to finish the job which we started. But he didn't mention anything how to reduce inflation, energy prices, which they've come down. But that's not a result of anything he did is that energy prices came down because China was locked down. And then you had um, Americans uh, curtailed their driving habits. I want and there's economists now that have been coming out in recent weeks saying inflation's going to go back up. And it's and energy prices are going to go back up to when they average four dollars a gallon across the country, and in some states like California, it could go up in six and seven dollars a gallon. So where are we going to be at in June, July? I mean, April, May, June when we get back to peak driving season again. So John, how do you feel about what he said about immigration? He didn't mention it. He just said if we got to have comprehensive immigration reform, 
we got to have the dreamers have a pathway to citizenship. These are individuals whose families came over illegally as they were children. They know nothing of their host country. But it didn't solve the problem. And he goes, if anything, you need to support me so we can give the resources to the border. But he, it's, it's like your policies encouraged all these people. And then you have the Democrats and their sanctuary cities and states encouraging illegals. Because when they come across the border, there's a hospital in Yuma spent over $20 million in six months. And they don't know how they're going to pay for a lot of stuff because legal comes in. They can have they've been having heart surgery, dialysis, um, prenatal, and they're going to have to eat that cost. And somebody's going to have to pay. Mm -hmm. And if the taxpayer went to the hospital and needed kidney dialysis, they're paying. And they're going to come reach out. But he didn't mention that. Isn't there a hospital, I think, in Arizona? That's that the one I was telling you about, yeah. talking about, Yuma. But then he didn't. Men he mentioned fentanyl, but he didn't do anything about China. China was the original fentanyl, goes into Mexico to the cartels and into the country they go. Mm -hmm. So, But he still doubled down on, we need to spend on this, we need to spend on this, we need to spend on that. So he's basically advocating bigger government, more spending, and even Larry Summers, who was the Treasury Secretary for Bill Clinton and Senior Economic Advisor to Barack Obama. You had Steve Ratner, who was the Senior Economic Advisor as well to, to Barack Obama, said, no, Joe, this is all on you. You overspent the federal government. This is what's causing inflation. He didn't mention food prices. I mean, you've got family. You've got a fiancé. Go to the grocery store. Look at egg prices. Hey, but 12 million jobs, John. Now, that was another one that was interesting <laughs> because the, uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, when Joe Biden said he created 12 million jobs, he said that's false. He created only 2 million. And that was because these are the jobs that came back that did were he, lost during the pandemic. Did he add a one somewhere where he wasn't supposed to? <laughs> a couple just, extra zeros. I mean, that was, ten, that was 10 million jobs more than what the Bureau of Labor Statistics came out with. I can only imagine, like, the the, the, the Board of Labor Statistics are just, like, they're watching him and they're going, I don't know at this point. Where are they getting that information from? <laughs> but the other thing, going back... And I'm sorry to cut you off on this one. When you mentioned Ukraine, mm. I know there's a big angst that we've been spending because 40% of the um, Republicans are having problems that we keep spending money on Ukraine. And he introduced the Ukrainian ambassador to the nation. But what he didn't explain is why are we supporting Ukraine? Why do we need – this was an ample opportunity to explain – the reason we got to do this is because of this, this, and this. If we don't do this, this is going to be a problem here, here, and here. And then he didn't say that if we don't help Ukraine, China's watching this because they could go into Taiwan, and this would cause X, Y, Z. But he never explained it because it goes back to what Theodore Roosevelt always said. The president is the bully pulpit. He had a nationally televised and sometimes international audience. He could have said why we need to support Ukraine. And then he talks about our allies are doing a lot. Our allies aren't doing as much as they should. There was a fight between Germany and Britain and France of sending equipment to Ukraine. What would get them to start doing something? When the president holds them accountable. Remember the, the flack that 
uh, President Trump got when he told he, I mean, I mean Trump is, is bombastic and he was just very crass how he does things. But he basically told the Europeans, "You're <coughs> hemorrhaging your future to Russia. You're getting Russian energy, and they're going to hold you hostage. And by you not uh, spending on your military, you're going to pay a price." Now we're seeing it. Germany was reluctant until we came up, and then Britain's Britain's military is a second-tiered military. So they're starting to do a little bit more, but they should be doing more than we are because that's in their neighborhood. Right. But they, we list here how many problems we have here correct. where we live. So then why do we have a, a responsibility – of sending hundreds of billions but of dollars when we're all talking here about, oh, my God, Social Security is going to run out in 2035. We're trying to fig figure out our electric versus oil. But yet we have time to say, you know what, we're just going to send the $60 billion to Ukraine. We don't know where it's going because the there's point, no accountability. Okay, now I, do, I agree with the accountability, but also people have to realize America is a global superpower. Correct. That has global responsibilities that we keep conflicts from arising because who we are now. Wasn't that okay. the point of NATO? Yeah, but we were always the lead in NATO. Okay, Correct. but here's the problem. The, I support President Biden. I've always said this. I support President Biden's giving arms to the Ukrainians because they want to fight back against the Russians. I don't agree with how he did it. And the reason I say that is. When he became president, he wanted to repudiate everything Donald Trump did. So what did he do? He made us less energy independent. He gave Russia the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that sent energy into uh, Western Europe. He, When Russia hacked into our energy sector, he said, don't hack into these areas. So he was very weak on Russia. So when Russia was massing troops, that was the time to massively sent arms into Ukraine with trainers. Mm -hmm. And then you tell Putin, you go into Ukraine, go at your peril, because our job is to kill as many Russians as possible. Then he saw the debacle in Afghanistan where we threw our allies under the bus. A leader knows how to prevent war. It's just like the old Chinese general Sun Tzu in the Art of, um, Art of Warfare. Art of War, when he said how to fight without actually fighting. We, we never know. This is hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. But maybe if he was much tougher— and as much people bemoan Donald Trump, you notice how Russia went into Georgia in 2008 mm -hmm. under George Bush. Ge Russia went into Crimea under Barack Obama. But Russia didn't move and China didn't move under Donald Trump because he was unpredictable. And when he did act, he acted decisively. Like the case in point when he killed um, al-Baghdadi. <clears throat> he told the Chinese president at a state dinner in the Chinese president's honor he leaned over to him and said, oh, by the way, President Xi, I'm just launching missile strikes into Syria or Iraq, wherever Baghdadi <laughs> was, and killed Baghdadi. Right out of state. That's unheard of to do that. But he just said, hey, as you're enjoying that dinner, we're launching missile strikes. So uh, I hope you enjoy your drink. Have a good night. Uh, that, was a, that was a nice <laughs> black side. Okay, so by doing that, it set the tone that, you don't mess with this guy because he was unpredictable. When somebody's unpredictable, you're kind of reluctant to act. So that's where I, I go back. If we had to 
that's why I'm trying to put a book together, how to reshape <laughs> American foreign policy. So we're not spending billions of dollars in arms when we could have done other things to prevent that conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And there's <laughs> other tools in our shed, like we're arming the Ukrainians. Now let's say the, if the figures are accurate, Russia's lost a hundred thousand troops. We should be blasting that image into Russia like they did during the Cold War, Radio Free Europe, and let the Europe the, the, the Russian citizens know this is what's happening to your sons. And now we're finding out that there was a – which I've said this when Obama was president and he didn't do anything. Russian separatists shot down um, a Malaysian airline in 2014, killing all on board. Mm -hmm. Well, now it looks like – and it's – there's elements people are supporting that Vladimir Putin gave the attacked approval to do that. Maybe if we were tougher on Russia back then, or maybe if we didn't spend four years on a failed false Russian collusion narrative, there might've been a different angle to this. We don't know because that's in the past. We can't go back in time, but all this leads up to this. And this is some of the things that we're mi missing. If you look at past, I mean, if you look at, President Reagan, when he gave a State of the Union address, he would always be reassuring. He said, this is what I want to do. Joe Biden gave nothing new except we're going to go back of what we did. We're going to keep finishing what we're going to spend more money. We're going to regulate more, and we're going to do the same thing. But nothing to do to re reduce inflation, food prices, or anything. He said the economy is strong. Most Americans aren't feeling it. I mean, 70% of Americans think – we're on the wrong track, and the economy is not, it's not strong. It's weak. So uh, before we uh, wrap it up, John, is there anything else uh, you want to touch on before we take off? The last thing I want to touch on, and I mentioned this on a radio program I did this morning on WXJB up in Brooksville, Florida. The president had to put a dig on to the last administration. And what I mean by that is he mentioned the January 6th insurrection. Okay, I got it. And he said that's a threat to democracy. People did de deny election results his entire party denied the 2016 election the sen the house minority leader hakeem jeffries denied the 2016 election <clears throat> if he's talking about democracies threatened our republic is in danger look what's going on right now elon musk when he took over twitter started releasing files that showed documented proof that showed the fbi had 80 agents assigned to twitter to suppress free speech. You had the intelligence agencies involved in social media. Hold on. Hang on. Left the phone on loud. You had, uh, you had these uh, um, social media companies working with the federal government, working with... Um, Shut it off. Okay, you had you had social media companies involved working with the government to suppress free speech. You had the FBI lie <laughs> and alter evidence to get um, um, to get a surveillance warrant. You had the FBI do different th different things when they were against one group against another. You had fifty one. Former intelligence operatives um, highlight or suppress 
a story because they deemed it disinformation. It even wrote a letter prior to an election. And in that letter, it showed that they didn't say, I didn't see the evidence, but Hunter Biden's laptop is disinformation. So all this plays in, but he didn't mention that. And even he, President Biden, was working with Twitter to suppress and um, free speech. So everybody needs to look this as a, look this straight in the eye. Who's really a threat to democracy? Isn't there hearings going on? There's about hearings that? on Capitol Hill going yeah. on this week regarding that. Yeah. All right, John. So if they want to get a hold of you, how can they go ahead and do so? They can get a hold of us by going to Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com, Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com, or you can go to our social media that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, obviously TikTok, and YouTube, and check us out from there. Let, us, let everybody know what, about Ubaldi Reports. We try to be fair, but we try to give examples where we got our information. You may not agree, but we want people to think so we can provide and get America moving again. So we can get the econo the economy moving, we can get people creating jobs, and we just want people to challenge the president so we ask these tough questions that we're presupposing no one else is. So Joe and Ray also have a podcast I want to let you know, even though they've been blocked on TikTok. <laughs> may just, have gotten banned. <laughs> just for a week, you know. Uh, but we have a show called All American Gunslingers. You can hear Ray and I talk about liquor, guns, BS, you know, it's just a whole, it's a, it, it's a, it's a hoot. Um, and uh, you can catch us there at all, Amer all things, all American gunslingers. That's on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitch. So go ahead, give us a listen over there. And we are at all American gunslingers at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of us and we will talk to you guys soon. And keep following you ball the reports. Remember every Wednesday at seven thirty Eastern standard time, we'll be, going live so keep following ebaldi reports and let your friends and family so until next time keep following ebaldi reports